This morning we are going to begin a new sermon series entitled, Say What? And it's a sermon series that is meant to examine some of our half-truths that we have inherited about Scripture. As a Presbyterian minister, I have a really hard time when uh, someone says, well, that's what it says, that's what, it's, that's what it means, so so be it. And I think, no, but there's so much found in Scripture that has meaning beyond what a word merely says. And so over the next seven weeks, uh, I, along with the other pastors, are going to turn to some of the text that, at face value, we could be led many different directions so that we might dig deeper into Scripture to come to know what a passage means beyond what it just says. This morning, we're going to turn to the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, and we're going to turn to one of those texts you heard it referenced all morning. I am the way, the truth, and the life. How often we have heard that as, well, Jesus is the only way. There's no truth without Jesus. There's no life without Jesus. There is a meaning beyond those words that will reveal the life-giving path of God. Uh, chapter 14 is within that section in God's, uh, John's gospel entitled The Farewell Discourse. It is quite literally Jesus trying to say farewell, goodbye. And it takes Jesus a lot of chapters to say to the disciples, I'm going to be leaving. Some scholars say that the farewell discourse begins uh, in chapter 13. And doesn't run out until Jesus is well into Jerusalem. Jesus and the disciples have had supper, they've been at table, and then this conversation commences. Friends, listen for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. So that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. I mean, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, well, because I am the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. And you have seen him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Awaken us, O God. Awaken us to your spirit that hovers here. Your spirit that hovers here in the sanctuary, just as she hovered over the waters of creation, reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they would be your word to us right here. Your word to us right now. 
and breathe new life, O God, into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock. And you are our redeemer. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. How many of you remember getting your driver's license that first day you got your driver's license? How many of you um, are counting down the days until you can get your driver's license? Anybody? I remember getting my driver's license. I'll never forget it. When I was growing up, you had to take a driver's test. You could. You were eligible to take a driver's test at 15 years old. And if you passed that written test, they issued you a driver's permit. That's right. And it permitted you to operate and to drive a motor vehicle during daylight hours, but an adult had to be present with you in the front seat, the passenger seat of the car. One of your older siblings did not count as that adult. But when I was growing up, after you had your learner's permit for six months, you could go back to the DMV and take the driver's test in an actual car. And if you passed your driver's test, they would issue you a restricted license, which meant that you could drive by yourself only in a vehicle during daylight hours. I had the date circled when I was going to turn 15 and a half, and I, early in the morning, on the first day of the week, went to the DMV, and I took my driver's test. And I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. It sounds prideful. I owned that parallel parking job. (laughs) And as soon as I did, I threw it into park, knowing what awaited me. Hot off the presses was my restricted driver's license. They gave it to me. My parents had driven separately, you know, just in case I had failed, you know. (laughs) They went to work and they looked at me and they said, please be careful (laughs) and have fun. I said, okay, do you remember the first time that you got into the car by yourself? without anyone else in the car? Do you remember that time where you got to finally pick whatever music you wanted to listen to? Do you remember when you didn't have someone looking over you in the front seat, holding on to whatever you defined that handle to be? Or pushing against a brake that doesn't exist on the passenger side? I remember it. It was glorious. It felt like freedom. It felt like excitement. It felt like I could go anywhere. I spent all day driving around. I listened to multiple CDs. I never stopped for gas. I'm not sure I even stopped for food. By the time I got home, my parents had come back from work. They were waiting for me. And they said, where have you been? We did not have cell phones then. I said, I've been driving around. They said, to where? (laughs) 
I said, I've just been making my way around town. They said, how many miles have you driven? I said, I have no idea. They said, we should go look. They opened the door. This is before you had to crank the car to be able to see how many miles you had driven. They looked down. They said, you have driven 150 miles today. They said, are you sure you didn't drive to Columbia and back? I said, I promise. They said, you've driven 150 miles and you've gone nowhere? I said, that's right. They said, if you're going to drive 150 miles a day, you're going to start paying for gas. (laughs) Gas was 89 cents. I said, no problem, you know. They said, if you're going to start paying for gas, you better have a destination in mind instead of just driving around, making your way all around God's green earth. Friends, sometimes we can make our way and have no destination in mind. And sometimes we can mistake the destination as the way. The Gospel of John uh, differs from the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, are written on a very similar storyline. They have very similar stories. Jesus is the focus of the Synoptic Gospels. The Gospel of John is interested not just in the person of Jesus, but the Gospel of John is interested in revealing the Christ The Gospel of John is not merely focused on the personhood of Jesus. The Gospel of John is focused on revealing the Christ. Some of you this morning are going, wait a second, I thought Jesus Christ was the same thing. Let's define what we mean by the Christ. The Christ uh, from the Hebrew, Messiah, meaning the anointed one, that gets transliterated to the Greek, which we know as Jesus, the anointed one. Anytime we read in the Gospels, Jesus Christ, it is Jesus, the anointed one. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Even when you hear someone yell, Jesus H. Christ, H is not Jesus' middle name either. The Christ, quite literally translated, is the anointed one. But theologians have other definitions for what it means to be the Christ. Richard Rohr defines the Christ this way. Ready? Any place where spirit and matter are present. The Christ is any place where spirit and matter are present. Are present. Why that definition? Because Jesus is the Christ, the uh, God incarnate, to reveal the spirit that is present in the matter of all of creation. Jesus is the incarnation of God to reveal through the personhood the spirit, Christ. In body, bodily form. The Gospel of John is uh, much more interested in revealing the ways of this Christ. It's why in the Gospel of John, you have no manger, you have no angel, you have no birth narrative. The Gospel of John begins with a poem mirroring back uh, what we see in Genesis 1 in creation. It's why the Gospel of John gives us poetic language, uh, light and darkness, awakening us where spirit is present in 
matter where they are combined. It is what has led some theologians to call Jesus the cosmic Christ. That the Christ has been present in all of creation long before we knew who Jesus was. The Christ is the very, you've heard me say this, the very heartbeat found behind all of creation. The Christ is the eternal flow revealing all things. We can hear this and it sounds woo-woo, does it not? You're like, wait a second, I don't understand this. What do you mean the place where spirit and matter are one? And then you live one more week on this planet. And on like Monday or Tuesday last week, I have to, I have to show you. You saw this image. This image showed up somewhere in front of you. And someone said to you, this is a new image from the Hubble telescope. And you went, okay. I don't know about you, but the image that I saw had a number in the bottom left-hand corner. I saw this image, it took my breath away. They said it's the first photo in color ever captured. I had no, friends, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Other than I'm in absolute awe. But someone thought in the image that was sent to me in the bottom left-hand corner to put a number. It said 1.9 billion light years away. And I thought, thank goodness they put that. Now I know what I'm looking at. I don't even know what a light year is. How many of you actually know what 1.9 billion looks like? I had to chuckle. They put 1.9 billion light years and they didn't think to put like west. Like what direction are we going? Turns out, we, and you know this, we are on a rock traveling through space at 66,000 miles an hour. In an ever-expanding universe that is expanding, turns out, in a direction that is over a billion light years away, in a direction that we do not know, and we are held here, we're sitting, standing, by gravity. Because that sums it up. The Christ is where spirit and matter are one. The Christ has been present with us since the beginning. The Christ is the heartbeat behind all of creation. And then you get a photo like that and you think the Christ, spirit and matter are one. And then you spend three more days on this planet and you wake up on a Saturday morning and you check the news and the headline quite literally is this. Scientists have picked up a radio signal quote, ready? Heartbeat. Billions of light years away. The Christ mystery is the place where spirit and matter are one, present in the personhood of Jesus, who reveals that there is no place where spirit is not present in matter, so that whatever you see 
Spirit is present. Which changes how we read the Gospel of John, does it not? And it certainly changes how we come to understand when Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is far less interested in saying, I am your destination. The disciples have been with Jesus for three years. They think he's the destination. I mean, you know the story. They dropped their nets and they followed him, you know? And they're doing the best they can. And can we have some sympathy for the disciples? I mean, they have had their final meal. And Jesus says, I am no longer going to sit in the passenger seat of your car and make sure that you remember not to turn left at a stoplight without first yielding. I am not going to be in physical form with you. And the disciples have a hard time with that. Because they have made Jesus their destination. And Jesus has said, I am the way. You already know the way because you know me. Because I am the way and the truth and the life. I want to dig into the Greek just for a second. I'm sorry, but we got to dig into it just for a second. We need to unpack in the Gospel of John, I am the way. You all will remember in the Old Testament, Moses, when he is sent to Pharaoh, and he says, but um, if Pharaoh says, who sent me, what should I say to him? And Yahweh says, say, I am sent you. Like that'll work, you know? And sure enough, Pharaoh says, who sent you? And Moses says, I am. Throughout the Gospel of John, remember, the Gospel of John that is introducing us to the Christ, not just the personhood of Jesus, uh, that phrase, I am, is repeated 45, it is in the Gospel of John 45 times. New Testament scholars know it as ego, a, me. It is there 45 times to remind us and to hearken us back to I am the source. I am God. So when Jesus says, I am, it is ego, a, me, the way. Ready? H-O-D-O-S. The way, literally translated, the road. I am the Christ. I am the road to truth and to life. Some are thinking, okay, this is great. We've gone cosmic. Can you just help me understand how this matters in my daily life? Yeah. I want to tell you the story of a saint of Preston Hollow Church. Some of you um, remember Rosemary Curtis. Those of us who knew Rosemary and loved Rosemary, we are still uh, mourning her death. Rosemary died uh, very suddenly. It took us all by shock. At her memorial service, I shared that uh, four weeks before her death, Rosemary actually made an appointment to come see me because she had a very important question to ask me. When Rosemary came uh, to visit, her very important question was about this text, John 14, verse 6. She said, uh, Matthew, I need help understanding. People have told me that Jesus is the only way to this life and to this truth. But I got a problem with that. And she was hot. I mean, she was, I got a problem with that. 
You know, me and Dave, and she had this way of saying Dave, you know, me and Dave. Me and Dave have been hosting SMU exchange students for 30 years in our house. And some of these kids, they never even heard the name of Jesus. Are you trying to tell me that those kids are beyond the love and the grace and the mercy of God? And I said, Rosemary, you're coming in hot. What what do you think? And Rosemary said, well, the God that I've come to know is so much bigger. The God that I have come to know is so much more expansive. Of course, God loves the kids that David and I have invited into our home. Of course, God is going to claim all of us as God's children. And I said, so what's your question, Rosemary? She said, well, if that's true, what is the way? Do I need to ask them to talk about Jesus? Do Dave and I need to have this faith conversation at the table? And I said, well, Rosemary, what does it look like to live in the way of Christ. She goes, I don't know. I guess that's why I'm here. And I said, Rosemary, no offense. You don't know what it means to live in the way of Christ. Every one of you who knew Rosemary Curtis, you know this. We stood in awe of Rosemary Curtis. And then we had a little guilt around Rosemary Curtis because Rosemary would just raise her hand and rooms and go, well, what can I do and how can I help? And I always stood in awe of that, but then I had a little guilt walking out of rooms because I'm like, well, I didn't ask how to help, you know? Rosemary Curtis helped found some of this church's mission partnerships. She very quietly hosted exchange students. When someone in her family died and they settled the estate, she took proceeds from the sale of a farm in Tennessee, so that this church, along with other churches, could build a hospital in Malawi. And we are here this morning, and that hospital still exists and is still seeing patients. So I struggled to understand why Rosemary Curtis didn't know the way of Christ. She was teaching us the way the whole time. Friends, if you don't know the way of Christ, the Gospel of John says, follow in the way of Jesus the Christ. Follow in the ways of mercy and generosity and forgiveness and love. For those are the way. That's what I said to Rosemary. And she said, I still don't quite get it. I said, Rosemary, have you ever been on a road trip? She said, yes. I said, I mean, have you really driven like a thousand miles? She said, Matthew, I've been driving longer than you've been alive. Yes, I've gone on a road trip. I said, Rosemary, have you ever been on a road trip going down the interstate and you see that exit sign and there's a little blue H, you know, halfway down below the sign. She said, yes. I said, well, what does that H stand for? She says it stands for the hospital. I said, Rosemary, have you ever seen someone get in an accident on the interstate? And have you ever seen the ambulance pick up 
folks and drive them to that sign and park out in front of that H. And she said, no, Matthew, that would be silly because that H is only the sign pointing the way to the hospital. And she said, oh, I get it. Jesus is the embodiment of the way that points to God. Yes, Rosemary. And on that way, we will come to know the truth and the life. Friends, I don't know where you are on your journey of life or love or faith this morning. But if you are wrestling with knowing the way of Christ, follow in the path of righteousness and forgiveness and mercy and grace and love. If you've come this morning thinking, our God can't be this big, trust that there is always a bigger God that has had us than we thought we had. And if you, this morning, want to know the way of Christ, you need not look outside yourself. For the Christ is waiting for you. For the Christ is as close to you as your very breath. Will you pray with me? Oh God, you took on flesh so that we might recognize you as the anointed one. But that we might come to know you fully as the living Christ. To reveal that there is no place that we could ever go where you are not. That there is a life full and abundant that you will reveal. And so we say thank you. And we say, Amen.